I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is brought to you by the supporters of patreon.com forward slash Dan Lissac. And if you enjoy this podcast, you should consider becoming a supporter of patreon.com forward slash Dan Lissac. This will not be the last time you hear the phrase patreon.com forward slash Dan Lissac in this podcast. Enjoy! Hello. Uh, I've got the wrong headphones on, so I sound really quiet to me. These have got a, a higher impedance or a lower imp- I don't know what the right science is. But yeah, so if I'm shouting, it's that. It's that's the problem. I'm not angry at you. I, you've not done anything wrong. Welcome back. Falling Forward episode number 30. Number 30, guys. Who thought we'd get this far? I don't know what my voice is doing. To, I'm talking all weird. I don't talk like that. That's not how I talk. It's the intros. This The intros make me talk funny. Make me perform rather than just chat. You know? You know what I'm saying? I uh, hope you're doing well. Hope you've all listened to the most recent EP. It's very good. Um, that's on Bandcamp, danosack.bandcamp.com. And uh, Patreons, thank you for existing and funding this podcast, funding my hobby. Because this podcast is really a hobby. I'm never going to get on that uh, level of billions of downloads and making that mad advertising revenue. So, uh, yeah, it's nice. You pay my train tickets, don't you? Because you're nice. You're like a nice uncle. Not not a bad uncle. Um, but on that tip, the advertising tip, this episode's a long one. And uh, I could have cut it into two to double up on the old... Uh, amount of adverts you hear and I didn't want to <laughs> I just didn't want to like when you break them up often the second one gets a few less listens and the second half of this one is gold I get overexcited about breakcore after about half an hour I think and uh, yeah why why would I chuck that in the second half that you're not going to listen to you know no you don't know oh Alright, well, I'm just talking to myself. This week's guest is Flux Pavilion. Obviously, if you only know of my music, and my music is the only music that exists to you, uh, I know there are a few of you out there, uh, he uh, wrote Gold Teeth with me. He's responsible for the sort of almost saxophone noise in it. He's responsible for 
anything good that you like about that song, excluding Pip's lyrics. Obviously, Pip's teams of writers, hundreds of them. He's got hundreds wrote those lyrics. I had an absolutely lovely time recording this podcast. Josh is a really nice man. And, uh, yeah, we get into a lot of stuff I didn't expect. I hardly touched my notes, you know, which is really good. That's a good sign, I think, personally, where we we must have left 98% of it on the page. It's a really good chat. But like I say, it's a long one. So I'm going to do my best to just get straight out of the way. If you want to support my garbage, danielsack.bandcamp.com, patreon.com forward slash danielsack. That's that thing. If you want to talk to me uh, at, at danielsack on the Twitters. Um, things to check out. Obviously, Flux is on that there Twitter and all the social media. But the one to check is, we, he talks about it in it, is twitch.tv forward slash Flux Pavilion official. The official Flux Pavilion. The one and only. Um, where he does studio stuff and, and just chills. I like, I like chats and stuff and uh, p- plays with knobs. Not like that. It's not only fans. Anyway, yeah, no, I'm just going to get out of the way. This intro is going to be the shortest one I've ever done. Woohoo! It's not going to be the shortest one I've ever done. Because I have to thank everyone for coming back. See, you've got to do that. You've got to do the call to action. Have you uh, rated the podcast yet? Have you left a review? You know, I haven't done that bit. Uh, have you shared it? Shared it with your friends? See, I have to do all those things. Because if I don't say them, you don't do them. That's a thing that happens. Oh, and there's probably going to be a bit of a bigger gap between this episode and the next one. A, because I haven't recorded it yet. B, because I haven't asked next potential guest yet. And three, I I just I just need a little a hot minute. I need a little break. I need to get some work done uh, and earn some of that money for RentQuest. RentQuest is, is kicking my ass right now. And uh, yeah, if I if I just take an extra week between episodes, I can probably get that nailed, you know, for another month. But now we're going to get on with the podcast, are we? Maybe. Mm. Play that weird sting you made, Dan. The music on this podcast can be found at danlasack.bandcamp.com. And if you were to purchase some of the ambient twerks or trip hop bangers from danlasack.bandcamp.com you'd be directly supporting this podcast enjoy there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and zepbound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, before we started, we were talking about uh, Pol Pot. <laughs> Do you want to say what you said? Do you want to say what you said about Pol Pot? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't get enough coverage. <clears throat> He's a jungle DJ, right? I think pre-jungle. Pre-jungle. Rare groove. Prungle. Like then, yeah. Rare groove. Um, <coughs> so, Flux Pavilion, yes. how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm good. pretty good. How are you then? I'm not bad. We were talking before the podcast about um, you having a studio now. Yeah. How are you finding that, to be out of, have to leave your house <clears throat> each day, go to work? It's good. Down the beat mines. I think what happens with being an artist like not because the thing is we're all sorts of stuff aren't we composers producers um writers Mm. like an artist as a as a brand like being a brand is a really specific kind of part of it and if it kicks off which luckily it did for me Mm. you start to it encompasses everything that you are and then you lose your entire sense of identity of who you actually are and were as a person. Mm. And that's quite an interesting thing to go through. And like this kicked off for me when I was 19. And still now, like everyone kind of gets their 20s to go through personal development. Because you were still at uni when you were doing uni, it. Yeah. And you chose to finish uni. Yeah. First, because you're a responsible adult. Well done. On a thought, who knows how long this will go on for. Yeah. <laughs> I might need to be a teacher, which means I'll need a degree. Yeah. Kind of thing. That's always kind of what I thought I'll do. Mm. is be a teacher. The government subsidised my the hard bit of my career, mm. basically. I was at uni, and the, the hard bit is, do I work? How much time do I have to be this artist and go play all these shows for no money and mm. kind of do it all out of pocket? But I had my student loan to do that. Yeah. So that's, that's like the bit that everyone kind of struggles with. They're like, okay, I want to be, I want to have a career in music, but I have no connections or anything. It's like, cool, well, five years' time, mm. you will have a career in music. If you're good, you will have a career. Like, it's not actually that hard to do. You just have to be skilled and put the time in. But we can't afford to put the time in. And as the years go on, now, like, even working a full-time job, you can't afford to live, mm. let alone subsidise all your spare time going into a career in music. How old are you now? 31. 31. Now. So, what, 12 years... 12 years ago, yeah. So, were you at the end of the, uh, like, AOL instant messenger? It was, it was in, yeah, I guess it would be the end. I was, so, in, I was into that for a couple of years. So, listeners, if, if you don't know, like, there was a lot of, like, pre, not pre-pluggers, but there were, like, the little groups, and you <laughs> would just send your beat out to anyone you could get on 
Yeah. I went to message. It wouldn't be great. Like every every artist had their own, had a folder. Had a little gaggle. Yeah. So Rusko was like, Rusko Banton was his one. <laughs> and I remember when I, like he'd speak to a promoter who'd be like, oh yeah, I've got Rusko's friend on AIM. And I'm like, oh, can I get in? And then, yeah, you start, it's like Pokemon cards. But people start. would send beats out and these would be, end up on the radio. Yeah. Like if you if you had the right guy or you had a guy who had a guy who had a girl who had a guy. Yeah. You could which is bizarre to me, but it's a bit of the um I think that's how dance music has worked since its inception. Like you're just handing <clears throat> a recording, a tape cassette on yeah to this guy to this guy to this to guy. To the tastemakers who yeah. it's all like underground. So mm. it's kind of like when I yeah when I first started a set was all about all the music that you had that no one else did. Mm-hmm. Now it's about how can you play all the songs that everyone has wants to hear, all mm. the hits, cram in as many hits as possible. And if you play a couple of new ones back to back, you've lost them. Basically, yeah. this is more so in America. It's like the idea of like in it's become so mainstream now that people buy a ticket to have the time that they were expecting mm. rather than buying a ticket to be like, well, what's this guy all about? Yeah. That music still does exist, but it's kind of now taken the form of like, I think like John Hopkins and Nils Fram and people like that for me. Yeah. That's where I feel like if I went to go see John Hopkins, I wouldn't expect to hear anything that I might've heard before, mm. maybe a couple of hits. Whereas the music that I'm a part of has just become pop effectively. Well, which is which is fair. Um, yeah, I don't see. I like pop. I, pop just means popular. Mm. It's become popular, so yeah. it's sort of like it's entered into a different space. So that kind of attitude of getting up there with all your dubs. I, kind of, I think I I like accidental pop, like the people who who write a song not knowing mm. that it's going to be hugely popular, and then that kind of spurns a style. Yeah, for you sure. know. How do you, as a producer? Avoid the trends. For me, it's I follow the trends that I like mm. because I have to, because I like them. Mm. I think if you follow trends out of some sort of necessity, then you're kind of, you're already delving into this, well, why am I writing music in the first place? If, it, if there is any necessity to write music, then it should be for the, the pure joy or release of the mm. act of doing so. <clears throat> so if if you have to follow a trend, it has to come from, for me, it has to come from that space of just like, I can't believe they thought of this first. This is amazing. <laughs> I need to do this. I need to experiment yeah. with this. Like, this is really fun. And I have to do, like, this, I have to write this. And that... There is nothing better than hearing somebody else's song. And instead of having that, like, emotional, <clears throat> meaningful reaction, having the bastard got there first yeah like how did i not have that this idea yeah i think there's a thin line between that feeling and being jaded Mm. the only difference is you like the music Mm. so if you if i was to hear a song and it's super popular but i didn't like it i'd be like what's this shit that everyone's liking but if i did like it i'd be like you asshole you got there first, and it gets me really excited. You talk, you talk about being jaded, like the feeling of being jaded. It happens mm. a lot in dance when something gets popular. Because mm. you've collaborated with Marshmallow. Oh, right, yeah. And Marshmallow for ages was, well, for a period of time, was the, wait, wait it's a gimmick, isn't it? He's shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, well, whether or not it's a gimmick is irrelevant, because mm. there's 
tens of millions of people who hear those songs <coughs> yeah. and go, I like that. I like that. So I'd, my choice to collaborate with him was just like, obviously I've met him a bunch of times and kind of knew him before he was Marshmallow and always liked the guy. And I like his music. Mm. I was just like, I get the whole thing. I don't necessarily like the Marshmallow thing and the whole, the mega brand. Mm. It sort of feels very anti the idea to me, but he's written some really wicked tunes. But I, I think Stand Up is some of the, some really solid, it's like he's done in this field, the pop music that I wish I'd done. If I was going mm. down that path and trying to write like mega pop in this EDM kind of context, he's done it. And then also there's this little spheres of interest where I'm like, oh, how did he come up with that? That's a really interesting way of doing it. Mm. And that to me is enough to be like, all right, I don't know. Yeah, what's, where's all the hate? Because I, I, obviously I do a bit of gaming related stuff and he did the uh, Fortnite oh, right, yeah. gig. But <laughs> so I'll roll my eyes on that kind of stuff. But it's it's cool, but it's it's not for me. I'm now 31 and I like fishing, you know, like it's not. Yeah, it's not I, my I, kind I know of you're shit. still fishing that outside the house. I was going <laughs> to yeah. ask. I was going to yeah. ask. Um, but like, I think <clears throat> if you are going to. I'm going to air quotes it, but sell out as such. Mm. What better way to do it than with a mask on your head? Because mm. at least you can feel, you can go to bed happy. It's like, man, don't man. Well, I wouldn't say that the guy <laughs> wearing the mask is selling out. He just is marketing a brand. Yeah. And if, if he didn't have the mask on and he was like at one point saying, I'm really, I really want to do my poetry. And then all of a sudden he's doing the Fortnite thing. That's selling out. Yeah. But if Marshmallow at no point came from a place where it's like, I'm really, my music's really important. Yeah, he, this is my soul. And then all of a sudden he's selling it to Pepsi. It's like, if that's not there, that's not selling out to me. Yeah. That's just a success. He turned brand. up willing to sell <laughs> yeah. products. and I don't think he ever said, I'm not going to be this exact thing. Mm. He was just like, I, this is what we're doing. And we're going to do it really well. But do you think there is a bit of that in in music in general that people are, are scared of making money? So it's an observation that I've made as the differences between the cultures. Um, and I feel like there's something good about both. So in English culture, we don't, or British, or European, really. We Europe, I've, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. I used to, used to be a thing. It used to be, we about got rid of it, didn't we? Ago, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we sunk them. Um, it's sort of like music is about art and being an artist is about art. So there must be like a struggle and it must be like really real and down to earth and new. You're pushing the boundaries and discovering something new. So if you're successful and you do the same thing over and over again to earn some money, then it's sacrilegious. So we mm. like, we kind of pull those people down and we, and we prop up the, the new underbelly of just like, are oh, these are the cutting edge. Whereas in America, it's like, if you've done well for yourself, you're congratulated. It's mm. like, well done. Like, and that's where all the like, bitches and bling and all that, because it's like, right, I've got loads of money. Mm. I'm a millionaire. I've got loads of gold and loads of cars. And America's like, well done. Well, that's really good for you. Like, awesome. You've put the work in. Or you've worked out a formula where mm. you can get some money. Congratulations. We all love you now. And I think... Like I'm obviously being British, have this more I lean towards the first type, but I think there's somewhere in the middle that we could all do with getting to. Mm. With respecting the art, but then like sometimes I think if I'd have just hammered 
like when I did Bass Cannon, I've never done another song like it because mm. it kind of made it as a joke anyway. And then just thought, oh, this isn't really for me. This isn't my kind of music. Uh, but I was just like, I could have just cracked another year or two mm. making those because it was really fun and I really enjoyed it. And then I was 19. And like now I couldn't do that because I just like I'm completely disconnected. But when I was like wearing crazy trousers and jumping around, I could have just done that for way longer. But I did yeah. out of this sense of like, no, I've done that now. I need to progress my art and I need to do something completely different. Otherwise, I'm gonna, that's selling out. Mm. And it's like, oh, why did I make the choice to move away from something that was really fun and really worked for me at a period in my life where I could have when jumped the- on it more? Because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done it to make money. I didn't do it out of some sense of honour, mm. honour to music. Whereas I could have had way more fun in that field. It was just the first track I did in that sound got way too popular for mm. my for my sense of <laughs> poetry. And I was like, no. I've done too well there. I've guys. done too well there. I need to go <laughs> and I need to do worse somewhere. And it's like, why did that? Yeah, as the years went on and I kind of learned more about American mm. culture, I was like, oh, why did I do that? That was actually quite unnecessary. I could have made some more interesting music. But mm. that moment's passed now. So it's like, yeah, I'll never never get back to that. Yeah. But you'll you'll get to somewhere else, which might be Well, with this attitude, I'll, now when things pop up, I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is working. Let's explore this mm. little pool that I've just dug and see what's here rather than instantly jumping out of it and being like, no, it's too popular. Mm. i got to get away from that. Because that, yeah, that's a little bit of a toxic attitude as well. There's something really nice about it, but I feel like not living with your head entirely in that space is actually you'll end up writing some better music. Yeah. If you just stop kicking yourself all the time for repeating something or being like, oh no, I've used this hi-hat pattern before. I'm a monster. <laughs> I must delete everything that I've ever done in the past two months so that I can get to somewhere clean. I, there is a couple of things I do and I really like doing, <clears throat> but... It is that thing of like, well, I did do that on, say, Stunner or whatever. Maybe, maybe I can't do it again. And it's mm. like, well, why not? What? It's not because I'm using that technique. <clears throat> it doesn't mean that it's the same notes and stuff. But yeah. I think maybe there's a bit of well, I know. Yeah, there is a t- like an when of, you use a preset and then forget to change. <laughs> there's an element of laziness. Like I use pretty much exclusively sawtooth chords in every Perfect. every song that I've ever made. Yeah. And I even go, it's now a joke in my life. I don't know if anyone else thinks of it as a joke, but I'm always just like, I've got t-shirts with sawtooths on. No. Because <clears throat> I'm like, I've obviously committed to this single waveform. I'm just going to, I'm going to run with it. And now, yeah, when I'm working on songs, I'll just go to the sawtooth and then I'll try, I do try changing up. I'm like, it doesn't sound the same. It's it not right. It doesn't sound as yeah. good. I like that sound. And I know I've done it and I've kind of done it to death, but I really like it. And I really want to do it more. And the second that I put it on, I'm like, nah, this is tired for yeah. me, for my heart. I'll stop doing it. But I would, I would rather have a <clears throat> oscillator shape as my trademark. Mine, I think my. So I'd figure your trademark is like dodgily cut samples. Oh, dodgily cut, you say? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, but, dodge, but deliberately dodgily. But it's kind of like you could say the same for Jay Diller. Yeah. Effectively. Yeah. Although he might have done it a little better than me, but. I didn't realise, do you know what, I didn't realise how wonky some of my sample cutting is until mm. until literally somebody else said it to me just 
maybe six months ago that sent me this long email. It's like, yeah, like I really like the way you cut yourself and you know how you did this and this and how how that wasn't in time with that. And I was like, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, but I I, I like your choice <coughs> of using these two keys that don't work together. <laughs> yeah, like, I really like. All oh, right, no, I pressed them. It was. And it sounded nice. The wobbly air came at me, and I was like, that's some nice wobbly air. I'm, I'm going to use that. Well, that was always my go-to um, kind of, like, platform for my music. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but it's good. So I just kind of press buttons and do stuff and experiment. Mm. And that's kind of been my... Um, oh, the door. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, I well, think uh, it's a package I was waiting for. Oh, no, it's a package. It's a package, guys. Nice. <laughs> um, what was I talking about? Something to do with music, I'm sure. I think maybe we were talking about music. I, I, we were probably going into a music, like, musical cul-de-sac. Yeah, I know I said the word, something about foundation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Music theory is what I was getting to. I've never really known anything about music theory, and I've been kind of proud of that. But then I've just recently realised that I evidently have a talent for writing music mm. I hear songs in my head and I feel music in a way that maybe loads of other humans don't mm. and I've just been kind well, of well you say you literally hear it in your head not everyone can do that yeah and the same goes for visual like <clears throat> some people when they think of an apple can see that apple yeah in yeah full 3D rotate it all that you know where well, I always can't. thought that was what the, everyone's experience was it was normal with music because yeah. I just sit there and you can like like jam and just play loads of sounds and then there might just be a small interaction between a couple of sounds that just sparks it's kind of it feels like the light bulb is the classic thing but for me it feels like it's like that little slice of the music all mm. of a sudden expands into this long series of events that create a song at the end of it and i can feel it and see it all instantly mm. and that's when i do studio sessions with people we just got to sit around chain doing a thing and then all of a sudden I'm like, right, everyone shut up now <laughs> and be quiet for around 15 minutes. I've had yeah. an idea and I need to see this through. I've got the thing. Which is, so I've been kind of getting along with that really for my entire life. But I'm now starting to th- realise that if I knew more about scales and chords and like actual theory and how to do stuff if I develop my skill set like I'm a very unskilled person really I'm just going a lot by gut and heart and kind of like chance but sort of in this like chaotic kind of thing but yeah if I learned more about it I would be able to explore all of these thoughts and feelings in a more kind of like I don't know when you mean to do something like if I knew more about actual music theory mm. and how to play piano and how to do all this kind of stuff. Like that's how I can actually be better at a com- as being a writer and a mm. composer and as a musician. And like, that's my journey now is like, Oh, I've actually kind of not really cultivated this skill set that I really need. Just why I find theory, because I, I'm in the same place as you. I think that I, I wish I'd paid more attention to it early, but I realized that, I don't know, I've got this beat and I think, you know what, in my head I can hear this sort of maybe Russian-y feeling, Russian folk feeling melody or whatever. Mm. That bit of theory means that you can get it from your head to the page as such far quicker. Quicker, Okay, so whatever that scale is, is these notes and I got it, boom. But um, it is 
weird how much of it you know, mm. but you don't know it's called that. It's like exactly. Oh, yeah. okay. So I've been using a major well, harmonic scale. That's like that's we what will I go know for. all this stuff from practice. Yeah, but it's kind of like like we're using bad tools to do the same job. The tools that we've made ourselves. Mm. So it's like right, this nail needs to go into this piece of wood. Okay, yeah, I'll use my smashy stone. Yeah. And they're like, well, why don't you use a hammer? And we're like, well, no, I just get the smashy stone and I smash it. Yeah. And it goes in. And like, oh, but with a hammer... I use the base of a screwdriver. <laughs> well, so do I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually do have a smashy stone because I don't have a hammer. Good. But, the, yeah, the analogy still mm. stands. It's just like, it's when someone then gives you a hammer, they're like, oh, I can not only hit it in, but I now have a tool to get it out. Mm. This is a more... This is like the tool for the job that has been developed over the entire course of human you, history. And you're on the developed claw hammer. Yeah. End of things uh, that's well. what I'm wow. thinking. Yeah. Wow. So it's like now, oh, now I have the same tool for the job, but it's been imp- slowly improved by human history. And mm. I think of music theory as a similar thing. It's like, you don't need it. Mm. But if you do want to expand on your tool set, then it's actually like for me, I don't regret not learning it earlier because I've had a really awesome time discovering stuff. Mm. But now I'm like, how do I be better? I'm kind of sick of being a DJ and travelling around and being Flux Pavilion, if I'm going to be honest, like this kind of what <laughs> Flux Pavilion was. Yeah. Whereas my skill set has always been about writing and being a composer and stuff, and that Flux Pavilion can be that. But I, if I remove myself from the thing that I've been doing and then enter into this completely new competition, now all of a sudden... I don't have the skills to match up is kind of how I'm feeling. If I go into the production world and the writing world and I was now I'm looking around and seeing all these really skilled people mm. and I'm like, oh shit, I can't really, I need to get my so, act together and build up my school, skill set so that I can actually be, if I want to be a world class, I'm the best Flux Pavilion in the world. Easily. Like, by far. By, by far. For sure. But if I want to be the best producer in the world... There's so much more that I need to learn and cultivate, which mm. is super exciting to me. So I, I noticed this because um, I do the odds. I've done a couple of little, fairly small games. and um, But obviously now it's opened me up to a lot of other people making game soundtrack <coughs> stuff. Mm. And you... Um, My brother does that. Does he? Satsuma Audio. Okay. That's his name. It's actually just, sounds familiar. Just a little plug. A, a plug for Satsuma Audio. What's, <laughs> yeah. what's he worked on? He has done, I think his most famous one is he did all the sounds for Tabletop Simulator. Oh, no way. He's all the dice rolling. Yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. That. Right. But he's doing a game at the moment called Dinkum, which is a, I think it's called Dinkum. It's an Australian farming game, kind of like Harvest Moon. Stardew okay. Game. No Dinkum. Some, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. some Australian thing is the name. But it looks really good, and it's the best work he's ever done. It's kind nice. of like, he's done it all recorded with ukuleles and... Um, Rad. harmonica and stuff but like this, that this thing I, I keep everyone I stumble into in that mm. that world they're all like crazy talented crazy <clears throat> so I, I I nearly worked on a thing and um, they decided to go with someone else that's fine but the someone else is yeah. like is amazing with modular synths and stuff he's like electronic but he can also score and he's a conductor yeah and yeah. all this and i was like yeah no i'm perfectly happy for that guy who yeah. is infinitely more talented than me whose work i admire <laughs> like that i i definitely uh don't mind missing out on work when they're so much more talented but 
it also means that I need to get... You're like, oh, yeah, if I came across this opportunity and they were like, right, we need to go into score. Mm. You're like, oh. All right, yeah, I'll right. MIDI, you say. Yeah, we can do... I could do MIDI. I could probably... Badly cut up samples. Yeah. And square tooth. I could do... Uh, I might be able to write it out in guitar tab. It yeah, won't mean anything. It would take a long time. It would, it would. Because I know how to read them, but I don't know how to write them. But, yeah. I find it interesting with scoring music. Like, I do so much stuff that's not out of tune, but deliberately detuned. I do mm. some, like, micro-tuned stuff. Yeah. And it's like, how does how do you put that in to a score? <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, I want one day to have to go to a violinist. Like, I know your violin's in tune. Yeah. You just hit it on something a little bit. Just knock it a little... Just well, a with touch. the violin, you can... Obviously, it's a, a microtonal... Yeah, you can go fretless anywhere that's fretless. So, yeah. that's Well, I've just been pretty... I'm building a guitar downstairs. As nice. Home, where I've taken all the frets out, like in a fretless guitar. Nice. And I'm about to order a microtonal neck similar to the King Gizzard. I saw... There's a YouTuber. A YouTuber called... Uh, what is her name? What's her name, guys? This might have been where it, I saw it. Was did she, was he playing a fretless guitar and it was all silver? It was... A, yeah, it was a she... She. But it yeah. was like chrome. Did I say it? It. No, I think Did you I said it. You said it towards the guitar. <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't think you have to put a gender on <laughs> guitars. You can, though. I don't like, think we should be gendering YouTubers either. No. I think all, it. Everyone's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Mary yeah, Spender, she, I think her name is. And she's she's one of those influencer YouTubers who gets sent So I didn't shit. know who she was, but I saw... Uh, yeah, like chrome fretless guitar. And the I, I had a basically the one that I'm doing is an electric that Rockstar Energy Drink gifted me. Nice. And it's just kind of sat around because, yeah, they did a tour with me, which had the potential to be the worst thing in my life, but ended up being awesome. I really got along with the guys. Mm. Like, I'm definitely not an, I'm not an energy drink guy. No. But the guys are really cool. And yeah, they, we lived with them for like six weeks. So I ended up keeping the guitar and like my hatred for sugary yeah. energy drinks is then weirdly mixing with my love for these guys. <laughs> I'm like, well, do I keep this guitar? Yeah. How, what do I do about it? So now I'm, yes, and I've sanded it down and I'm repainting it. Nice. And I saw that video and I instantly went down and took all the frets out. I was like, I'm going to build myself a fretless guitar. Nice. So now I'll get the spirit of my rock star friends without having a, a rock star yeah. branded electric I, guitar. I am. Um, so... You, you're obviously got some craft skill. I drilled a hole in a box earlier this week. Oh, so, yeah. you know, we're very similar. What for? Uh, I wanted to raise my monitor up. Yeah. So I put a wooden box under it, but I wanted the cables to run through it. So That's, that's fine. That's fine work. Yeah. So I had to drill multiple holes, <laughs> yeah. actually. And then with a screwdriver and a <laughs> smashing stone. <laughs> ba- yeah, bash it through. Bash it through. It went, it went <laughs> all right. You know. Yeah, I mean, I only started doing this um, four weeks ago. Nice. Previously to that, I hadn't done any kind of sanding, mm. carpentry, or soldering in my entire life. So. I, I can solder, but I hadn't done it for a while. And I had to, I got an old, <clears throat> old, old tape deck. Um, this thing called a Library of Congress C1. And it's for the deaf. So it was all the books on tape for oh, the Library of Congress. Yes. But it will go down to like 25% speed and up, you know, so it's mm. really useful. But it's like <clears throat> 60s rechargeable battery in it, 
which is obviously and powered by American, so I could not get it to power. So all I've got to do is put a nine volt battery in there. Yeah, and I was I was like getting sweaty because <laughs> yeah. I hadn't soldered, and and it's just like a simple thing because you don't heat the solder. You yeah, the thing you want the melder, but I'd just forgotten that, and I'm like, well, <laughs> and I'm like burning holes in the plastic. My kitchen stinks, and yeah, like I googled how do I solder without getting the smoke in my eyes, <laughs> and I was like, oh, an extraction fan. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, actually, yeah. all right. So I'm yeah, I'm building up from that level. Yeah, and that was around five days ago mm. that that happened. So I I reckon. Drilling a hole in a box is at the level I am at. Nice. But you got to start I find, somewhere. I find the... Um, so YouTube, again, is actually fascinating <clears> because you've got so many, like, crazy YouTubers making... There's this guy called Simon the Magpie. Yeah. So I'm a very, yeah, very yeah. much into YouTube. Like, I'm doing a Twitch, a Flux Pavilion Studio Twitch thing nice. every week. That then we edit down to about a 40-minute thing, which As is going to go on my YouTube Nice. And doing other bits and pieces, like I'm talking to Andrew Huang, mm. and really like some of the Magpie as well. And like, yeah, that's mm. a field that most of my inspiration now comes from this whole yeah, kind of Simon's circuit. like really nice. I learned about this podcast because I looked at my no computer. Oh, okay. One. No and way. Then, so I was like, oh, I was talking to Dan. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah, and then listened through that. That was a weird day because <clears> I then, like, literally did that and then went and saw my parents for the first time ever. And they, for the first time yeah, ever. since, they, yeah, I'd never met them. <laughs> yeah. I was just, I just ran out of my mum's womb. Like, fuck you guys. Yeah. Um, dragging the placenta behind me. That That's a bad image. I don't know. They don't, they have this platform to make whatever they want. Mm. And then they find a group of people who are like encouraging of that. And then it goes into the, we get to this point where Simon the Magpie is putting barbed wire on ba- as bass oh, strings. Right, yeah, and, yeah. Um, uh, look, my computer's putting a synth in a Gibson Les Paul. <laughs> and then you've got guitar magazines going, this is sacrilege. <laughs> Which I thought was beautiful. See, I think it's, yeah, I was talking, did you know Tim Exile? Mm hmm. So I just have been working with him on his new app called Endless. Endless with three S's. With three S's. I looked into you, microphone, but you can't see that. So I am doing a thing starting on Sunday, actually, called Mm. the March of the Endless, where I've made 31 loops. Nice. And I'm putting up one a day through March. And then the app comes out on the 31st. Culminating on my birthday, yeah. Is it on the 31st? It is, yeah. It's going to be a big day. It's a big day. So, uh, and then, yeah, we're talking about doing a sound pack for Endless as well, a Flux Pavilion sound pack, so, so we can make some sounds and stuff like that. Listeners, Tim was, uh, I think, episode eight, if you want to run back to that, where we, we talked about Endless. Oh, there. right, yeah. Oh, you spoke to Tim mm-hmm. as well. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, obviously, Endless is still beta. You can uh, use it, Endless. You, you can do it now, yeah. It's be like Endless.fm. Dot .fm. You yeah. can get on there. But I reckon it's probably best to just wait till the 31st for it to come out now. That's what I, I've been saying to I my would. friends. Just like, just wait for it to come out. So th- this thing, because I, uh, I, I, a few people who got on it when I I had him on the <clears> podcast, <throat> which is going to be at least six months ago now, mm. um, I haven't used it for a couple of months and then gone back. And obviously the app's evolved as the users make it evolve, which yeah. is an awesome thing about things being in beta. But it is like pretty completely different to where it was yeah like i got it and because i invested in it as well oh nice as i've known tim he's um been a friend of a guy well a good friend of mine molly who was the bass player in the flux pavilion live band that Mm. i did 
he used to run um, Planet Mew Records. Yeah, did Molly do stuff with Shipmat? And yeah, and yeah. He did the Break Corey stuff. All those, yeah, yeah, it was Molly. And so that's how I got into, really it was my entry into the dance music world. So I've met Molly, but before... I was down in the sack. Okay, yeah. So uh, maybe at like Deadbeat or so one I, of those. Yeah, like I went to, I was part of... Um, maybe Cracked. Like Countryside Alliance crew. Oh. Was the, one of the first things I did. So it was me and like Ebola and Shitmat. No and way. And all these guys. I did not know that. Go and do, yeah, like festival and stuff. And then we, yeah. we were doing Block. I think was the festival. I can't really remember. Glade, it was called then. It was mm. a block stage and Drums of Death hadn't turned up. And they were like, what do we do? And they were saying, because it was the next day we were doing a wrong music takeover mm. with like Shitmat doing this, yeah, Dr. Donk and the Donkmeisters show yeah. and stuff like that. And then, yeah, Ben was like, Josh is a DJ. He does dubstep. And they were like, oh, what? What's dubstep? What's this dubstep? And like it just kind of really kicked off. I think... 16-bit were playing at this mm. festival and they'd just done chainsaw calligraphy. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, all starting up. And I had my records in the car. So, yeah, I ran. I put on an extra small vest because it was like that kind of festival. So I was like a big like, fat guy in a tiny vest and went out and played dubstep for an hour to about 1,500 people. Was yeah. like, and that was my first ever real Flux Pavilion show. And then for, when I got back after that, my career kind of started. I don't think it was anything really to do with that, but it kind of just, it felt real from that point and then things started sort of snowballing. Maybe, maybe externally, like maybe it didn't have anything to do with it from the industry sense, but maybe for you to stand feels on that, that stage and If I were to go thing, back to be a point where it went from being like, oh yeah, this might be interesting to, oh, this is actually happening is now. It was, it was around that time when I was hanging out with those guys. Mm. I, I, see, I didn't know that association at all. Yeah. Like, I just had made that kind of assumption that you'd come up through... No, not through dubstep in isolation, because obviously <clears throat> you did other things before that. But do you know what I mean? Like, but I kind of didn't, as an mm. artist, really. I mean, I was 19 at uni, making hip-hop beats, heard Mr. Scruff... And like Quantic and all yeah, those guys on Ninja you Tune. You said in an interview that you'd submit, you like pitch. I sent a thing sent to a Ninja thing Tune, to Ninja a tape, Tune. or like it must have a CD that I'd burnt. Yeah. And I was like, that was it, like hip hop beats. And I kind of created Flux Pavilion. I had, when I first started, I had the lighter side of Flux Pavilion, which is my hip hop beats, and the mm. darker side of Flux Pavilion, which is the dubstep that I was writing. So I had two MySpaces. And then there was Dr. P, Sean, who was like, you need to just. Pick one. Pick one. Because when people were like, oh, what's your MySpace? I was like, oh, right, forward slash the darker side of Flux Pavilion. <laughs> and I was like, well, what's normal? And the lighter side is just forward slash Flux Pavilion. I'm like, yeah, this is this is not this very is good branding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big old mess. This is confusing. So, yeah, it was all around that time that, yeah, I guess like Mully and who was friends with Tim as well. Mm. Like, I kind of like knew those guys, but not really. They were all about three or four years older than me. Yeah. So they were just kind of like, the older kids who would mash around with amen breaks and stuff when I was still well, like 14. I, th I still think like break core to use the term <clears throat> gets sort of left out a little in the history. Cause when we talk about say dubstep, we talk about it going from like, well, if you want to, intellectualize it well it was disco and then it was the 12 inch edits mm. that made house music and garage and then proto garage and then that's what spawned dubstep and it's like that's well a good point actually dubs breakcore and drum and bass 
is are my both really important. That's my base mm. for where the music came from for me. The kind of hardness of jump up drum and bass, mm. so where it was like hazard and hype and the players kind of era sort of stuff. And then breakcore, so bass cannon, which was my first kind of hit effectively. Like the stupidness of having a kalimba intro and then a cowbell mm. and just like one note. That was all breakcore. Yeah. But where all that came from. There wasn't a precedent for that. Like I did like Scream and Benga and what was kind of happening in dubstep. Maybe Rusko mm. and his wildness, but his core came from breakcore as well. Mm. That whole kind of like, he was a bit more about CFAX kind of acid crew. Mm. But where he came from was this similar, all this kind of similar like weird free party rave like well, breakcore world. See, that's the thing. Like the... Uh... Going to the next generation of rave culture, the, yeah. the warehouse parties, the squat parties, the um, like Molly had dreads. Yeah, that's a <laughs> white guy with appropriation. Gin, a white guy with ginger dreads, <laughs> like that was his. That's the look. <laughs> that that, that's the, the look. world that we're coming from, yeah. basically. But like those, there was always <clears throat> a room because they were a bit more organised, like. There would be a, there would be your like wonky breakcore room. There would be a main room, and it those things started to coalesce and mm. fuse together. So there would there would be a side trance room, and you knew how good the night was going to be by the size of the side trance room. If it was big, you, you were probably going to get off early. Yeah. But if it was a little dinker in the corner, it's like ah, oh, it's going to be a great one. This is, yeah. But um, I think people under underplay. How I think I do actually underplay how fundamental that whole kind of breakcore scene was in my development. Because mm. that's actually what I, how I spiritually collect, connect to electronic music mm. is like square pusher. Yeah. And like I always say Aphex Twin because it's really easy for people to understand, but I was never a massive fan of Aphex Twin. I, I was a fan. Yeah. I am way more so now, now that I understand microtonal stuff and yeah. kind of get what he's doing but I didn't really feel it when I was younger whereas Square Pusher was a bit more visceral mm. edits and just mad stuff kind of happening and you're like so I, I'm similar right? Aphex Twin was like got me through the door <clears throat> mm. I remember listening to uh, I mean I was like 17 in my dad's car listening to the Richard D. D. James album and he was he was giving me a lift to a job interview at a company that made karaoke backing tracks. Okay, yeah. Was, I'm glad I never got that job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, we're listening, oh, what's this dirge? But Aphex Twin was, for me, the gateway to other stuff. Mm. As much as I love Aphex <clears throat> Twin, I think I, I relate more to the stuff, say, Chris Clark did, especially mm. later on when he went more hip hoppy, when he went more breaky. Yeah. When he went like he was cutting up samples badly, but he was actually doing it well. Just yeah, it was just the kind of chaos of it. And like that is still exists in like no like Richard Devine, I think is probably oh, one of the people that I look at quite a lot now that still feels very much connected to, to I, that world. I have a visceral jealousy of Richard Devine. Mm. Every, like, literally, I, I follow him on Instagram <clears> and, like, obviously he gets sent stuff and equipment, <clears> but he knows how to use it. Yeah. And I think that's what makes me more jealous. He's got every bit of kit you can imagine, but <clears> he also knows how to make it sound good. Yeah, he, like, he utilises it. It's kind of like he's the good, a really great icon for Eurorack, mm. I think, just because he, he shows that it 
is a fascinating, ever-evolving kind mm. of like world. I think I I because in my stream is basically geared around my Eurorack effectively. Mm. And like, I don't think I'm a good icon for it because I just get lazy. And I'm like, I really like how this, like I've got a Platz, which is a mm-hmm. multi, it's like a, I don't know even how they describe it. It's kind of like an oscillator, but it makes, it has a variety of different sounds, but they're all kind of like singular hit type sounds. Yeah. Effectively. It's so, the one with like 16. 16 different sets. A and B. Yeah. 16 yeah. different presets effectively. That you can kind of like, which are in themselves waveforms that you can, that you can dial around. But yeah, it, some of you listeners don't know what we're talking about. It does a wicked snare drum. It does. So it's all I do with it. So yeah. now I'm like, oh, I'll plug in the plats, and it's now a snare drum, and you can yeah. modulate all the stuff. But I just don't do it. So Whereas Richard Divine does do those things as a core part of his mm. personality. That's kind of like what it is for him. For me, it's a tool to be used. For him, it's a world to explore, and I think that is what I really like about... We sort of talked about Modular a bit on here. This is not really a big technical podcast, but um, when we thought <clears> about <throat> it, it is about the best way to I've ever really found to describe it. It's about making one thing affect another, one thing mm. tell something else to do in ways that maybe the, <clears throat> someone who makes a synthesizer doesn't, think to make it do yeah you can plug this a into b but oh no why not why don't i put plug a into d back to b then to and you can create things that maybe it's like the mighty boosh trying to find a new sound it's that thing but in electronics it's kind of like so electronic music to me has always represented the cutting edge of sound exploration and music to write like a thing that always bugged me the most it seems to be dying down now is like i remember once got asked in interviews like oh so you make electronic music have you ever made any real music and i know what she meant she yeah. meant like playing a guitar or something like yeah. that and it was but i was just like i really hate that idea that you think of it as electronic music as not being real i, I would argue that like as soon as we're in the 50s, adding amplification, we are every, every guitar band that's using an amp is in some way... It is, it's all interpretations. Yeah. Like, the way to look at a signal chain is... So, yeah, if you're recording a microphone, is your mouth is moving the air, and the diaphragm of the microphone is interpreting that movement and then sending it through a cable, which is interpreting that movement and sending it into a, a sound card, which is then interpreting that movement and into a digital thing going into your computer and then the mm. chain keeps on going. There's loads of interpretations. Like there's no, unless you're standing in a place listening to a thing, even then is your ears interpretation of the air moving yeah. from the string. And like, if you start looking at sound like that, using a modular synth where it's like, oh, this is an interpretation of that. And they, these are all just electrical signals that are kind of, and waves that are just like talking to each other, basically. Mm. That's all sound is. That's all our brains are doing and our ears are doing anyway. Like you can use electronics to make a, a completely identical sound to a guitar mm-hmm. because it's just, that sound is a sound. It's a, it is a scientific thing. I know it's come from a really lovely like Martin acoustic and you think it's really important, but that sound still does have, is a scientifically specific thing. Mm. And that sound can be crafted electronically. And what's, there is no difference between those two things. Like there is no, they could say the soul, but the soul comes from the intent 
and I think if I intend to give my music soul through electronics, that music does have soul. Mm. It's coming from me. You don't have to be physically connected to an instrument. Well, a modular simp is an instrument, and I am physically connected by doing all the mm. thing. And to me, it is exactly the same. And I think, but it's exactly the same, but you can make humans that, sounds that humans have never heard before. That's why I've never really understood people that, turn their nose up at electronic music and I think that's happening less and less as the but years go on that's like, the, the point of you are I think everyone's trying to make sounds that you've never heard before like when the a guitarist plugs in their overdrive pedal for mm. the, a, a distortion pedal for the first time the reason they that's not how <clears throat> it was designed when they pushed yeah, that yeah. valve or that transistor too far but they were mm. like oh I've never heard that before. I like that. <clears throat> what can we know? do with this? Yeah. And um, I think that's, that still leads us back to pop music a lot of the time. Like, especially, I said this in the last podcast, actually, where technology, the newest technologies take a few years, but eventually <clears throat> end up in pop music. Like all the yeah. FM sort of angular synths of oh, the right, 80s yeah. became a big part of mm. what pop music was. And... Um, that's rad, mm. but that means that these these people like Richard Devine making weird and wonderful stuff off to the outskirts of music are still actually having an influence, you mm. know. And to loop back to dubstep, you know, yeah, there's like Britney tracks in 2011 that have dubstep wubs in them. But you got to wait for the generation to grow up. Is the thing? Yeah. Like look at Charlie XCX now, mm. and like the what she's very much. Uh, 90s kid with like PC music and mm -hmm. like working with Sophie that whole kind of like yeah the PC music thing is taking the jarring kind of like 90s everything's a bit broken where technology isn't quite there yet we're trying mm. our best but it's all a bit crap but we loved it GOCs mm -hmm. and like early MySpace like we love that vibe getting the your MySpace background to be a moving load of hot dogs and it's like that kind of vibe it's like taking that and being like you know what we really love this I know we've progressed past this but this is actually a thing that's really special mm. let's explore that a little bit more and it's kind of like what we're living in now and dubstep and stuff like that it will take the gen like the generation to grow up and then go into their 20s and be like no I want to express myself through what my childhood was like and then they'll be expressing all the things that the era of dubstep had that we didn't even really notice mm. i think they'll it, everything goes in waves but like when this thing does kind of it won't be like what i loved about it it'll be what they loved about it which is so like the 90s people were loving windows 95 it's like this is a a new thing it's all completely brand new this is mm. like brand spanking new technology now I have a t-shirt with Windows 95 on it because I was like oh that was crap <laughs> but I love it yeah. kind of thing so it's like the way that we carry generational stuff with us uh, so I think yeah nothing really gets lost it just gets like reinterpreted for like new new kind of focal points mm. I think that's what where dubstep will go when it has another wave, I, that's, I'm just kind of sitting back from dubstep now because I don't have anything to give to it anymore. Mm. I'm more interested in... Especially yeah. if you're looking to not avoid live, but looking more to be the composer yeah. of Flux. I'm not in my 20s. I don't want to jump around and go to clubs and jump around anymore. Mm. Like I've kind of done that. I still really enjoy putting on a show. Um, but more, more often I'm there and I'm just kind of like the, you know, 
I'm getting older, but the crowds stay the same age. Like, yeah. That's a pretty classic thing. And it's cool. And I'm still going to continue to do it, but I'm just not going to base the entirety, the entirety of my personality and my who I am yeah. on that because it's, it's actually quite disconnected. I've still in, I enjoy giving that experience and like trying to, I'm trying to sort of grow and like add a guitar and interesting stuff to that. Mm. But it's like the thing that made that fun for me was actually being 21 and traveling around the world and jumping yeah. around. And now I don't really want to do that anymore. So it's like, I need to follow what I want to do. Otherwise I'll end up, which I feel like I did do uh, over the sort of the past four or five years, just in this kind of jaded, well, it's not even jaded, but like a jagged, kind of space where I'm like I actually don't like doing this but I feel like I have to mm. so now I don't like anyone that does this because it's reminding me of a thing that I don't like and more I move away from it and I see the kids and now they're 19 20 year olds who are going out there doing yeah. step and jumping around I'm like this is sick and I actually am really enjoying watching this because I don't have to be there and pretend mm. I can enjoy it for what it is and then I can cultivate my own little world which is also what is what I did in the first place mm. kind of thing. I feel like I've always just been on the fringes and then I got plummeted right in the thick of it and I was all of a sudden sat next to Tiesto and Diplo and I was like, oh, what the fuck's... How, well, do I, how do I be here? And it's yeah. taken me all this time to realise that I don't belong there because that's the thing I think I said to a friend who was thinking about all this kind of stuff is like, we're on our own weird table at the library and then there's all the cool kids in the cafeteria and someone dragged our table and put it next to theirs. And mm. all of a sudden we were the cool kids. And then slowly over around 2015 and 16, they started dragging our table away again. And we were like, no, but we're the cool <laughs> kids we're still, now. We're still the cool kids. And then at some, then we all, lots of people start leaving mm. and a bunch of us are still there kind of pretending, being like, well, what's, how do I, I need to stay here? Then I just slowly come to realization. I was like, hang on a second, I'm a library kid. Yeah, That's who I actually am. That's what I want to go. I'm actually really jealous. Like I'm standing here at the cool kids table looking at Richard Devine and or like Paul Robinson is like, mm. who's moved back to the library again. And now the library table is really a really awesome place. The yeah. world moves with it and everyone's going to the library. And now I'm sat in the cafeteria <clears> being like, well, what the fuck? That's where I want to be. And it's just, it's but a complicated I, I thing. I genuinely think that the library kids have, have been the way the internet has opened up because it, it is continually giving us new spaces to mm. to make things that those library kids now can make sustainable livings. So mm. I, I don't want to link everything back to money, but being creative, a big part of that is having time and space to do it. And time <coughs> and space are expensive things. So this is where Tim XR came up. I remember that because mm. what I was talking to him about is that this environment where people like Simon the Magpie, mm. um, that's already, it's always existed, but now there's enough with the internet, there's enough of a platform for people to actually make a living from it. Mm. So now we're seeing this kind of burst of niche uh, entertainment mm. and we're all loving it. We can all choose specifically the exact entertainment that we want and be surrounded by um, people like the videos, whoever the people are, there's like personalities that mirror all of our own interests and we can like pick and choose them mm. now. And that's really, really awesome. I think that 
has really spurred seeing all of these guys do this has spurred on my but it's definitely that direction the GeoCities thing mm. made flesh you know when it was GeoCities you were like you were finding this little <coughs> niche corner of the internet and being like oh I'm in in this little special place look yeah yeah whereas now it's like the special place is actually right there mm. I can find it and find a mass of other people doing it and go oh wait there's a scene there's something we can build off which yeah. blows my mind it, it is pretty awesome it does make me wish I was 20 years younger but <coughs> at the same time oh, I couldn't have this conversation saying how great it is for everyone if I yeah. want well I want to jump in and now I'm just like oh there's actually a platform for me to be a nerd mm. in the way that I enjoy but it's, I find myself in a unique position where Flux Pavilion is a thing so it's like I feel really fortunate that delving into the streaming kind of world, I don't have to build myself up a personality. Mm. I don't need a personality. I just turn on the camera and then have and record me writing some music because it's like I how don't... do you how do you find it? Because when I do it, I find I I'm embarrassed mm. the whole time. Every because like I want to what I really want to do is get a delay and a snare drum. And just fuck around with that for an hour. That's yeah. what I do normally. Well, I just do that in See, front of the camera. I feel bad. Like, because there's <clears> people watching. And um, so I, I, I've been streaming on and off for five years now. Mm. So, and I think the people who watch me got used to me playing games. So they're <clears> used to me talking to them. Mm. And now if I t- do a creative stream and I'm like, I'm just sitting <clears> there with a guitar pedal and a drum machine for ages going on. I like that. Oh, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, listen to that. I've, I'm like, oh, I'm not actually aiming to progress here. I'm not trying to teach you or show you anything. I'm just trying to have fun with this drum machine. Well, that's what I'm actually trying to show. Yeah. That exact thing. It's like, I don't want it to be a show. I want to share what it is like to mm. be writing this music effectively. It's like, because that's where I feel like I do my best stuff, but people only really get to see Flux Pavilion on a stage, Mm. which is just a small part of it. And a small part of it that I'm gradually getting less and less connected with and kind of caring about less. Mm. It's like, it's a part of the expression, but everyone seems to be doubling down on that and being like, right, they're jumping up on the table. They got helmets on. They're like, this is all of my expression. I'm like, nah, the thing I actually really love to do is all my studio stuff. I was like, I wish people could see Mm. these moments where I'm just fucking around. Then all of a sudden it clicks and then I'm just jumping around in my studio getting really into it. Yeah. It's like, that is what Flux Pavilion actually is. For me, it's the reason I've been doing it for 10 years is because of that feeling. Mm. It's like, if I don't share that, how could I expect people to know what Flux Pavilion actually is? So that's kind of why, specifically what I am doing. There's no, my brother calls the YouTube thing, um, like self-promotion, masquerading as education, Mm. which kind of is true for a lot of the guys. Simon the Magpie maybe less so. He does seem like he's just (laughs) going for it. But but it's generally like, hey guys, I've got a new EP out, um, but I'm going to teach you about VCAs sort of thing. I I love it. I think it's a perfect platform. I've got to discover new music whilst also learning stuff. Yeah. But for me, I'm not like, oh, come watch my stream and I'll teach you a thing or two. It's just like, watch my stream and you just you'll get to see what it is like. You might learn something by osmosis, but yeah. I, I'm not going to force anything. But this, yeah, this is what it's like. Yeah. To do it, there's no like, hey guys, 
welcome to the studio. So today is like, that's yeah. not what writing music is actually like. Like, I, But I think it is important for a producer, especially like, obviously you sing and so mm. some more of your personality is out there. Yeah. But if you're a beat maker who no one's ever heard your voice, mm. having these platforms to be able to hear your voice, whether you're making YouTube videos or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It just... I think it means more to you that people maybe understand you a little better, but also means more to them that they get to they get like, to know you. They get to know you, and then to choose um, to be your fan for the right reasons. Because mm. that's a thing. Like, and I've brought up bass cannon a lot. I don't know why, but that track mm. seems to it is a sticking point. Well, it's ten years now, though. Isn't ten it? years yeah. since that track came out. I mean, so like, I can't stop. Is <clears throat> my biggest track. But it hasn't come up in this conversation because that still is me and mm-hmm. it always was. Whereas bass kind of kind of wasn't. It was just like a fun thing in that breakcore kind of universe. So uh, I Can't Stop came off the EP. That was Line, Lines in Wax. Lines like in a couple wax. of years after, maybe a year after. Yeah. But that's like, I still look at I Can't Stop as a song that Josh wrote. Mm. But bass canon is a song written by... 2011 dubstep mm. scene yeah yeah josh still but like it but, was very much a slice in time uh, and it's kind of like yeah it signifies uh, an a thing that loads of people then loved flux pavilion for but i didn't know how to be that thing because it's like oh no this is actually just kind of a side thing that i've done mm. This is what I do. People were like, no, but you're the bass cannon man, so you must do this thing that I want. And it's like, oh, well, I actually don't know how to do that, and that's not me. And, well, and they're like, well, you must party. Here's some ket. Here's some drugs. You're party. that's going to help. And I'm like, I don't... That's I'm really... actually not this person at all. Yeah. Like, I know I did put out this song, but it's made all of you think that I'm a person that I'm not. And mm. now I'm kind of going through life sort of masquerading because I don't... I didn't really pretend that I was that person, but I everyone else pretended on your behalf. Yeah, yeah. So I couldn't really do much about it, and then they'd be like, "Oh yeah, fucks, yeah, big, you could jump on the table, let's have a big party." I'm like, "No, no, I'm not really interested in that." Like, "Oh, you English are so humble." I was like, "No, no, I actually am not yeah. interested in that." I like, like a nice green tea. Yeah, I like what, a green what, tea. What was this tea? As a Genmaisha. Andrea, Genmaisha, that's the one you want to try. It was lovely. It had a, a hint of popcorn to it. It was delightful. It's great. Like, yeah, I love my wife and my cat and my yeah. house. That's the man that I am. Yeah. I also do have... Although some... you were standing on this table when I got here. Oi, yeah. I love my cat. <laughs> I do have skills in making mad, wild music, yeah. but that's not the man that I am. So it's kind of like I don't want to have to pretend that I am that man, but I also don't want to have to not write that music because it's like there's one option is like oh i'm just going to not write any dance floor music or anything wild so that people don't get confused anymore but mm. it's like no but i love that music breakcore and all this kind of stuff like that's me as well so what i'm a oh i'm obviously a complex thing we're all complex like characters everyone has their own like complexities like how the fuck do i deal with this and streaming and showing the person that I actually am mm. really feels like I'm making progress. Finally, after 10 years, that I'm like, ah, here's a way that I can show who I am whilst also doing all the things that I want. And if people get the wrong idea, 
then I can just be like, I'll just watch. If you mm. don't know who I am, this is it. And then I, I can stress about it less because I'm actually doing something to connect with my crowd rather than I've felt like my entire career that I've been really disconnected from my mm. crowd because they're all party. Flux Pavilion's been a party act, but I don't like partying. I never really have. I, I think there's... Uh, I, I tried to explain this to someone recently about how if you are in a traditional live setup, <clears throat> the band goes... Like, say you've got three bands on the bill, band goes on, mm. then there's a little a little break so you can go off, get merch, get drinks, and yeah. then next band, little break then headliner but there's there's all these moments for you the audience to go up to that band usually and say hey i really love the set or yeah yeah you know i'm looking for whatever whereas if you are in edm if you're in dubstep or whatever the act goes on mm. and there is no break like it just everyone runs into each other it's a whole night experience but you you could easily be forgiven for having your head down <clears throat> dancing and not realize that the next guy's switched out. Yeah. You know, yeah. like if it's a particularly bad lineup. Yeah. <laughs> I, I try to make sure that I have some kind of identity, but yeah. there are some lineups where I'm just like, I don't even know Yeah, yeah. if it's the same guy or not. It's like, yeah. Like, cause you, you definitely pushed harder with live as well. Actual live, not, just DJ. Mm. Not that DJ isn't an art form. It, mm. it is. It's, but it's like, a, it's a very special thing. But like, I get a little bit bored. Did so. you like having, because you play guitar on stage mm. and stuff, do you feel like that was part of an identity <clears throat> or just part of making it fun for yourself? More to make it fun for myself, mm. I think. Give me something to do. Because it's like, if I'm not going to do this, jumping around, being that guy. Because mm. that's the thing I say that I'm not, I find it hard to connect with my fans but it's because of this expectation. I love who my fans are and mm. what they do. And I love watching that and delivering that. But it's just, I don't connect with that as a person. And mm. that's a really weird place to be because I go up there and I do my job and I love it. Every moment mm. it's like really cool. But then like, I just stand, I'd like, I don't jump around too mm. much or go crazy. And I do get people tweet me being like, oh, I just look like you. Like, that was the best set I think I've ever seen, but I also wish you'd look like you're enjoying it more. I'm like, well, I'm having my own experience, mm. and I am I'm, I'm enjoying it in my own way. I enjoy it yeah. by purely... I've spent months and years of my life putting this together and stuff, and like, yeah. this is my show. And then that... I started getting really, really self-conscious when I was thinking about this more. The more I was disconnecting from it, the more I was just kind of standing there. Mm. And then I'm just standing there with 10,000 people in front of me. And in my brain, I'm just like, what am I doing? What, I need to do something. What do I What do I do with my body? I'm delivering everything that I want to apart from personality. Mm. I'm like, but I can't just pretend like it's exhausting, pretending. So then I was like, you know what? I need to just double down on the person I am. And then make it more interesting for myself, which is why I get my guitar out yeah. and keyboards and other stuff and be like, I want to be invested in this and DJing. If I'm not invested in being wild, then I'm just kind of standing here. And for me, I'm like, I'm doing everything that I want to. Everything that comes out of that speakers is sounding great. Mm. So my job is done. But yeah, it feels it's quite a new thing. I think over the past four or five years, that people want more. Mm. They want to see the show and you have to be the show. And I'm like, okay, this is a thing where I actually don't feel comfortable doing this because that's not the person I am. 
and I can't be bothered to, to put a mask on. Yeah. And like and start ramping up this physical element. That's not, I don't want to spend twenty grand on a dead mouse head. It's like that's not actually what my show is about. But adding a guitar in, I'm like, oh, okay, this is. I think as well that having that visual element of a guitar or or whatever something <clears throat> like communicates to maybe someone who's less knowledgeable about electronic music that mm. oh shit there's music happening here someone left a comment on the on my youtube of a track i wrote for a game like oh, where's the music it's just bleeps and bloops and yeah. like, oh no the bleeps and the bloops yeah they were... my actual response was dad is that you yeah um but like the bleeps and the bloops are part of the music, but you can understand how at a festival, particularly, you mm. walked out of one, a tent watching a guy play a banjo to <clears throat> like, what is this? A man standing, yeah, just standing there while loud music plays. You know, which one? Yeah, I think like the whole kind of thing with this DJ culture is mainly keeping up with the Joneses. Is mm. like we do get those guys that have all that energy. And then they're jumping around and like Steve Oakey throwing a boat out and cakes and stuff like that. <coughs> then everyone else has to raise their game slightly. I saw some clips at one of the Twitch conventions where Steve Aoki was throwing cakes and oh, there yeah. were like people in the crowd just begging, cake me, Steve, cake me. And it's like, wow. <laughs> so again, like I'm the kind of person that could and should hate that, I think, in theory. But it's fun. It's mm. entertaining. It's a circus. It's yeah. like it is an entertainment. Like all Steve did, like I think... The the valid thing is that Steve is kind of like using music a bit as a tool mm. for his entertainment show kind of thing. But I let him off because personally, because I like him. Mm. I like his show and I like him as a person. So it's kind of like, all right, fair enough. Like I, I see that's what people think would dislike about it. It's like, oh, I wish he wasn't using this sacred thing of music to kind of to pedal his big and yeah. like massive entertainment show but it's just like you know what it is what it is and I think it is pretty cool and I wrote some songs with Steve Oakey so it had some of my music in that thing and I was yeah. just like oh this is actually this is a legitimately cool thing to mm. see but then that kind of raises the game for all the rest of us it's like oh we need to we need to either match this and start doing this stuff or separate ourselves mm. kind of thing and I think the separation for me with the guitar and the keyboard and stuff like that to be like okay that's not the show that I'm doing mm. my show is actually it is about the music and I don't want to have to feel this self-consciousness and pressure to entertain to be entertaining mm. it's like as far as I'm concerned I am entertaining with the music that comes out of the speakers so even if, if I'm standing there in tears or sat in a camp chair or whatever I want mm. as long as what's coming out of those speakers is top quality then I'm doing my job. Yeah. But the the bar keeps getting raised. I don't think enough people <clears throat> cry while making bass music <laughs> on stage. I want to see more festivals where it's just a lineup of men just crying, just weeping. Well, I did. I did a couple of years ago, actually. Um, I did shed a tear. There was a play that I can't stop. And there were two girls in the front row and they were burst into tears. Mm. And I'd never quite understood. They were screaming, it's awful. <laughs> I'd never really connected with how that song makes people feel. Yeah. I had, obviously, when I wrote it, it's like, it's not like I was just some emotionless blob when writing it. I, mm. I knew it was something really real. But then after hearing it for, like, I reckon I've played a thousand shows now. I've played that song a thousand times. Mm. Maybe heard it 2,000 times, kind of thing. So you become 
a bit disconnected from it emotionally and to see it again it felt like I was seeing it for the first time in how these people responded yeah. and it really made me well up I was like ah oh, this is really awesome and I think that's quite special and I've been kind of chasing that feeling more rather than it's hard because we're all defined by reaction so there's like if you don't get a mosh pit if everyone's not jumping up and down yeah. if it's not this crazy reaction you're not doing a good job and I'm really trying to remove that from my brain and be mm. like, if I can just make 10,000 people stand still and feel things, that's good too. Mm. It's like we've kind of gone down this, the Steve Aoki entertainment path. For me, a little bit too far. I was like, let, I'm just going to let these other guys do that. But I start, I feel like I have to be an entertainer now. Mm. And that's not what I was born to do. Being a performer, yeah, and being a producer and a writer, yeah, but being an entertainer, being entertaining mm. while doing that, I was like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what choices to make. Any choices I do make to try and entertain people feel really wrong to me. And I feel really disconnected with who I am and get really self-conscious and kind of get a bit embarrassed. Mm. Like when I'm like, put your hands up, everyone clap, put your phones up. Yeah. Like I feel embarrassed to do it because I'm just like, oh, I don't, I'm not good at this. I don't feel like I have the charisma to kind of do it. But if I'm holding a guitar or I'm, if I'm playing a song that I'm really digging and the build up and it's really building up and then I pick up the mic and I say, everyone put your hands up, that it feels good mm. because the music gives me the energy. So like, I need to concentrate on that aspect of it and let the entertaining part be me enjoying myself. Mm. And if I'm not enjoying myself, I just make sure that the music's good. I um, think. Me and Pip supported... Um Flying Lotus, really early in Flying Lotus. Oh, right, yeah. Run. And uh, some little place in, like, Paris. And uh, I loved, like... So he's just got this wall of clips in his Ableton, and he's just jumping around, just building stuff. It's rad. And he's got a mic. The whole gig, he's had this mic there, hasn't said a thing. And then he just does this one build-up, and then he leans to the mic. Shit. And drops me. And that's it. This is the entire thing. But, like, you could see a little bit of glee on his face. Because yeah, he'd, yeah. he'd obviously, although not strictly improvised, he was obviously, like, playing around trying to find mm. thing. And he'd found it. Yeah. And he was like, shit. <clears throat> and the room goes up and stuff. And it was just that thing of... Uh, so that's what my show's like now. Yeah. I pick up the mic, like, once or twice. But it's when I'm like, I really want to convey this feeling to I'm, the crowd. So I've not done a show in a few years. And um, I did, I played like my mate's pub uh, yeah. like two, three years ago now. And oh my God, I was on the mic just so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like telling jokes and stuff. And I was like, oh God. And I just forgot how much like, I think in my head I was trying to fill in for Pip. Because mm, okay, he, yeah. he has all that connection to the crowd. Oh, um, yeah, of course. Uh, but I'm trying to fill in for Pip and then do like wonky electronica, and it's like, oh yeah, sorry guys, this is a, this is a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit weird. Quite, yeah, it is a yeah. I feel like I'm battling with the perception of what people think I am, mm. and the birth of the int. It's not the birth of the internet. Whatever this new wave of kind of like niche us being able to share our art in interesting ways. Yeah is really exciting to me. It feels like a new exciting phase in like music and Influx Pavilion where it's like, oh, I can actually be myself here. And then now when I'm going out to shows, I find myself I'm caring way less mm. because I'm actually, I'm putting stock into building up the character. 
Yeah. If I am someone I can be there and I can yawn if I'm tired. Because I'm like, sometimes I'm playing at four in the morning mm. and I yawn on stage and then my brain's being like, oh no. How rude. How rude. They all just saw you yawn. They're going to think you're hating this. But I'm like, no, I am physically tired. I'm a human being that is mm. physically tired. Like, I remember I, I DJed once in the foyer of Brixton Academy on I've like New before. Year's. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I, had, I only had two hours, but like, Last 30 minutes, you've never seen a man needing to piss more. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. the way it was, because it, it was New Year's Eve, so that foyer was fucking rammed. There was no getting out of there to get to the toilet. Yeah. For that last 30 minutes. But because they're like right in front of you, people are <clears> like, what's up? What's up? You're not having fun? I was like, I just fucking really need to piss. And I, I distinctly remember <laughs> standing there urinating into a bottle while saying to someone, man, I just want to piss. And, just, <laughs> and like, he's looking at me as, as the relief's coming in. And I'm just like, and then I'm looking at my girlfriend at the time, trying to communicate to her, may I have another bottle, please? <laughs> yeah. It was the hardest mix I had to do all night. Well, that's the, th- yeah, like I've got now, like, cause I'm in therapy now. From mm. 10 years of having a career in music, like you got you got to get yeah. into therapy. There's all sorts of complex little things that get in needing a piss is one of them mm. you have one show where you need a piss you make sure you have three or four pisses before every other show yeah. you know and then when you're doing four or five shows a week it starts to spiral into this like really yeah like obsessive mm. and then uh, if i'm about to go on stage like i will uh, leaving it behind now i got to the point where i wouldn't consume anything in the first 15 minutes of my set and i make sure I have about three pisses before I go on because I just want to make sure like, yeah. I need to be there. And if I get halfway through my set and I feel like I need a piss, I, that's it. I start getting anxious. And I'm like, oh no, it's happening. The thing that I've been preparing for is happening. Like, yeah. I've been preparing to get away from is happening. And yeah, you get into all these really interesting, obscure mental states that I never thought. Like silly stuff, like what you're going to wear on stage. Like the last sort of tours I did, I had a little, little bag that had a... <clears throat> The, my specific stage jeans and all that. Yeah. So that instead of worrying about, because I like I'm, I didn't realize that I could shave my head until after I'd stopped gigging. Annoyingly. Yeah. But it was I, my hair was always thinning, so I always looked a bit old. And I was always I'm I'm 41, so I was always a bit older than our audience. So I always mm. felt a bit old, and I've always been a bit tubby. So like, but that. You don't want to be thinking about that on stage, like, how yeah. do I look? But if you feel like you look like shit, you catch that one selfie where you look, whoa, like, <laughs> like, it's, it's Operation like that's, YouTube. That's all of them for me. Okay. I, I had a, a real period of, uh, basically, my fans telling me that I look like a lesbian. Nice. In all the pictures. So now I've just got this, like, complex of any picture of me. I'm like, oh, I look like, I look like a lesbian. And now it's 2020, and I'm like, well, what does that even mean anymore? What does that mean? Yeah. Ten years ago, there was, like, more of a defined idea. But I feel yeah. like gender fluidity has expanded to the point where I'm mm. like, now that feels really old old school to be like, oh, I look like a lesbian in that picture. Mm. That's lazy like, now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, what, what does it really look like? But, yeah, all sorts of stuff. Like, definitely when I got big, I got big in two ways. I started eating loads because mm. I was sort of flying around America, really stressed out. And then, yeah, I just had thousands of people calling me fat every day. Mm. And it's pretty fucked up. Like, I don't think it's actually really affected me that much because I just accepted that that's how I looked kind of thing. 
But there were some times where it was just like, I didn't want to look at my phone because there were loads of bullies in there. And it's like, yeah, obviously, it's a you, extreme thing. You were, are like way bigger fame wise. Not, <laughs> you're just way fatter yeah. than me. You're no, fat, obviously, you like way bigger. So never got it on, on that, that level. Uh, but like, I do <clears> remember the first review I read of, our first ever like London sellout headline, which was like Scala. Yeah. And it was, I think he said, um, Hirsute Scroobius Pip. Yeah. And Hirsute mean? Uh, hairy. Okay. But oh, like right, yeah. tidy, hairy, tidy, hairy, like stylishly yeah. hairy. Yeah. And then fat and balding Dan Lassac. <laughs> okay. I was just like, thanks. Thanks lad. Excellent. Like it, but first of all, like he doesn't, I get it, you know, he was always taller and thinner than me, that's fine. But, like, the balding, you didn't need to. Yeah, you could, just didn't need to do any of it. If you're going to go with, go with one or other, don't go with both. Yeah. On, on the best night of my life so far. Yeah, it's like, go with neither. It's just, yeah, you get, we shouldn't be, we weren't putting ourselves up for that scrutiny. Mm. That's not what we're doing. I'm a writer. Like I should, I belong in a windowless room mm. with some instruments and a cup of tea. That's where I operate. But then all of a sudden for that to take me out of that space and then be up for the scrutiny of the entire world on the internet, mm. it's just like, that's, it took me a while to realize that I'm just like, oh yeah, that I don't care about any of this. Yeah, I actually don't. I'm not going out there being like, hey guys, do you think I'm sexy? And it was like, no, you're fat. <laughs> like that, that's a disaster. But I'm not saying that at all. I'm going out there and being like, hey, do you like my song? The also, I know is, I'm fat. And they're like, you're fat. I'm like, no. In my brain then, shit. I visualise that as you walking on like the main stage at a gig, like cutting all the beats and then, ta-da, no? Yeah. Uh, what do you reckon? What? Take the helmet off. Hey? <laughs> but like... Yeah, if I want, if I was going out there looking for people's uh, approval of my appearance, mm. then it would really hurt. Yeah, it's it kind of sucks that there's so much based I, on appearance. I, anyway, it's just like, well, you don't have to comment on my appearance because I actually haven't haven't really asked you what you think about my face or anything. I'm just like, mm. I've made a song. And someone's I've taken always a been of the mind. Me. If you want to criticise my distorted amen break, that's fine because that's yeah. what I've asked you Please to criticise. Because that will make me cry. Because <laughs> yeah, I get yeah, a lot about that it. That will hurt me. Yeah. Well, lot. if you really want to hurt me, then criticise my music. But, but that's a pain that you know I'm I'm giving you the opportunity to inflict on me. Yeah. But, it's kind of like a know. bit. Uh, yeah. I got. I sort of had to. When I got quite famous. It, I got too famous for me, I think. Mm. And then it was just like, I think I self-sabotaged my career a little yeah. bit to get away from that. Like I say, I was there with the Diplos and the Tiestos and all those guys. Yeah. And I was like, hang on, this is, I shouldn't be here. I want my music to be here, mm. but not me. I want to be the greatest producer in the world, but I don't want to be the biggest yeah. celebrity. I do want to be an artist. I would like to yeah. be a famous artist and go out and perform. So there's like not in this, that's not the stage for me. It's the I end. had the pleasure of having a front man. Mm. So I, but I'm not really in me and Pip's videos <clears throat> because I just sort of pushed Pip forward and, oh, right. yeah, and sure. like hid from it. Cause I 
I don't want people looking at me. Mm. The stu- the dumb shit is you talk about therapy. My counselling, I I went I had four years straight after Dan and Pip <clears throat> ended. I ended a relationship at that point as well, so it was like mm. big stuff going on. Most of that was about me being not jet je- yes jealous of how <laughs> yeah. how yeah like famous he was, and it was like well, I can imagine that's a yeah, de- I, definite thing, yeah. But I was the one pushing him forward. Like it was that weird thing of like. It's so odd, but you know, it's it's a complex why, yeah. If you need to, I think everyone should have therapy anyway. I, I genuinely believe, like, just a good bit of talking therapy is just pretty, sat yeah. down, talk to someone whose job it isn't to judge you, uh, but it is to say, yeah. you see what you've done there, like, yeah. and, and just show you the modular patching of your brain, yeah, and go, oh, okay, that's why I'm doing that, like my therapist said. Not long ago, that True. one of my coping mechanisms was sophisticated, Ooh. and I was like, "I'll take that as the compl- like it wasn't the compliment. It's yeah. basically like you've made this way more complicated than you yeah. ever should have done." But used the word sophisticated. I was like, "Okay, thank you." And oh, I'm thanks. like, but "I'm like, yeah." I actually, it's like you've got a suit. Yeah, it's like mechanisms. this thing happens. Okay, I'm gonna go through these nine stages. Yeah. And it's like most people is like, this thing happens. I'm going to feel this one feeling. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, the music industry and operating in music, like, just, I think it is kind of the same for a lot of industries, but celebrity, delving into any form of celebrity, especially mm. with the internet, is pretty fucked up. Like, it's a quite a wild space for any human to mm. be. They say that uh, when someone gets famous, they become behaviorally stunted in the moment in who they are at that point yeah and then it ha- it becomes very hard for them to break away from that so for me it happened when i was 19 mm. and now i still feel like a student sometimes mm-hmm. i still have all these kind of like most people get their 20s to just sort of grow up but through life and work out who they it's are it's part of that the nature of the job as well cuz you are inherently freer so there will be days where you can sit and play switch like you when mm. you were I think it's working out who you are in that. Yeah. I think that's the thing that I've found more interesting to discover. It's like, yeah, I can just sit around, play Switch, do whatever I want. I'm actually closing my notes. We, we didn't need them. didn't need the notes. It was but good, actually. Looking at them, some of those, that would, that would have been a rubbish conversation. <laughs> did you have a question about Base Cannon? I didn't. I didn't, didn't, actually. What did you want to ask me? I, I want to know now. Right, so things I wrote down uh, for Danny Wallace were... <laughs> hang on, there you are. What do... But we didn't. We, I do you know what we didn't even ask. Did we say your name? We did say your name at the what, start. Didn't Flex, we? I think so. Yeah, Flex Pavilion. So I wanted to talk about Circus Records. But oh yeah. Then then there's a little downy return arrow to Doctor P because obviously that that links. Yeah. But then that links to small towns. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm quite interested in how small towns mm. affect creativity because I think that because you have this like weird limited pool. Mm. I think you. Like the Basildon, near where I grew up. I think the metal kids had to hang out with the prodigy kids. Yeah, yeah. It's like the breakcore thing. I think that feels like it's very small town. Yeah. Sort of like. Well, we we had a night for like five years in Reading where we'd have like full on like breakcore, breakcore. Oh right, yeah. And then you'd have like Ed Hardcore coming down in his 
like yeah. kilt and accordion brake core. <laughs> yeah. But then you'd have like warps. There was a little electronica lot called Super Modified, I think they were, and they did vector visuals and very bleepy bloop. And okay, that would yeah. all be the same bill. Yeah, yeah, awesome. We had, we had Uncle Paul's Toilet Rave. Yeah. Which was meant to be a charity gig for a to get a toilet for our art centre. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it went on, and that was uh, equally as weird. That's, I think that's small town music is kind of like, it's a lot more creative, isn't it? Mm. Than, there's no scene, so the music kind of necessitates its environment, which yeah. is, yeah. Like, the scene has to try to appeal to more people because there's just not enough of you yeah. to do <clears> one thing. Yeah, I've never been part of any scene. And that's why I kind of say I feel like I do belong on the fringes of kind of what's going on just because that's where I was born and that's where I've lived my whole life. Mm. So when I am in any, at any point when I was in the middle of dubstep and it was all, all popping, I didn't know how to be there because mm. I hadn't prepared myself for that. It's kind of like, I like being the weird guy mm. that's doing, and still now playing on really big stages and stuff. I like being the person that, isn't really meant to be there because it feels like I'm giving something that's unique and Mm. fresh. If I all of a sudden start putting on a backwards baseball cap and having a, a, like a, I don't know, basketball top with flux pavilion written on the back, jumping on the table, throwing cakes out. If I start doing that, I lose everything that makes what flux pavilion is. And it sounds like a lot of effort. It's a lot lot of stuff to do. Like I don't necessarily, I don't want to do that. I once did a sponsorship and they were like, right. Yeah. So the first we for the, video for the sponsorship we want you to um zip line off the top of a hotel in vegas into a pool party and i was like i'll give you the money back yeah yeah i just just take the money guys i'm I'm all right in it but yeah it's kind of like the more i do all that kind of stuff the less unique i become so i kind of like if when i do get there and i feel a bit different rather than getting self-conscious and being like fuck they all want me to jump around i'm like you know what I am a bit tired. I'm going to have a yawn because I am me mm. and this is my performance and this is this is the show that I've mm. got. And if people don't like it, if they're like, I love the music, but I really wished he'd dance a bit more and I'm never going to see him again, I'm, just, I'm going to have to take that mm. and be like, well, I'm sorry to lose you as an audience member. I'm really glad you liked my music, yeah. but I'm not prepared to be... Well, the weird thing about like a that physical is entertainer if you're in a crowd with 10,000 people and you don't like what you see on stage just turn around <laughs> there's loads to see man there's lots of other there's stuff so going much on stuff. look at look at the people around you yeah maybe connect i think it's uh yeah or maybe gang up all communicate to each other that that person's not moving enough and then all shout <clears> at them wait that's bad that's bullying i think that none of these people actually think this stuff Mm. I'm just scared that they are thinking it. Mm-hmm. That's the real thing. I don't think any of them, you might get, I get one tweet after a show. And it's like, well, there's 10,000 people yeah. there. So it's... I think they're all thinking that. Mm. But if I speak to any, when I do go, because I always like to take pictures with everyone afterwards, it's just like, it's always overwhelmingly positive. I, I'm I've, like, yeah. I've done shows, come off stage and someone's like, oh, I really enjoyed that. And then proceeded to tell them all the reasons why they're wrong, like how bad that show was. Yeah, yeah. Everything that was wrong with the show. And it's like, well, no, 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 no. Sorry for stealing your enjoyment because I've got overthought about how feedbacky Pip's monitors were Mm. or whatever. A thing you can't even hear. The sound in here is terrible. It's like all these kind of things. It's like, yeah, actually, 
we are so focused on so much just bull yeah so much bullshit that goes mm. through our brains of just like oh no yeah my left leg kind of hurt so mm. i couldn't do the i couldn't dance as much as normal but that person watching it is like this is awesome i'm having a great time yeah so yeah yeah get really really self-conscious and that's the thing that i'm trying to work on in my performance is oh, to be less self-conscious i realized something the other day as well all my favorite memories of of touring and gigging involve either me or Pip falling over. Yeah. Like, literally, I remember coming, walking at Warwick University. First thing I did, walk on stage and just fell flat on my face. Like, what? I took one step onto the stage, yeah. fell flat on my face. Uh, so, I, yeah, I reckon there's like, for me, things got a bit too pro. Mm. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, I'm like headlining the main stage yeah. of a really big festival. I need to like actually be worth this whereas in reality yeah I'm kind of I used to when, yeah. I, when I was turning up to gigs with a Tesco bag with some records in it and my broken headphones that's when I felt like me yeah. and I was getting there to full packed rooms like 500 people or maybe up to like 2,000 people and I'd just be there with my student stuff mm. they're like that felt like the vibe and that I think like I'm trying to get back to that so I turn up to show with my guitar and with my stuff and with my music and it's like, this is who I am. Yeah. This is what I do. Because it's like, yeah, it's easy to get wrapped up in, in everything else. And yeah, I always really wanted to get a Segway and arrive on stage <laughs> on a Segway. But like, roll up to the decks and then just kind of roll backwards a bit and, and, then, and then not be able to quite make the decks <laughs> and spend the first five minutes of my set just on this Segway, rolling around the stage, just not being just able to control it. Position yourself. And just like, yeah, that was always my dream. Or to zip wire to stage, but then make sure it gets caught in the middle. Boris it. Boris it, yeah. So I'm just hanging in the middle and then just don't really know what to do. But I've got like a really elaborate like angel suit on or something. (laughs) Like that, to me. Union Jack wings. I wanted my performances to go wrong. I wanted to do really elaborate things, but have them go wrong. Mm. And it's kind of like, yeah, I'm now remembering all of that stuff and starting to think, right, let me Mm. me do it. And again, that actually really good point of like breakcore and stuff of like mm. what how influenced I have been by that watching the DJ shit map with a MIDI controller made out of a tennis racket yeah like it's just mind blowing like it's a thing called Slash's Wormhole mm. where he made a bass guitar it's just one string and it was the string was attached to a hoover with a pickup on it and then he just would dress up like Slash and then just turn the hoover on and it was just the basically a hoover mic'd up for 25 minutes <laughs> But that is awesome. I love, yeah. I love that vibe. And sh- it doesn't have, yeah, it doesn't have the main stage. Maybe not. Maybe not. But, but there's, like, there's, bits, there's bits to that that I think are really important. I still, like, walking around festivals and you just walk into a tent and it's like, what the, what, this, there's a polka <laughs> tent? There's just yeah. all these dudes just playing polka and having fun? <laughs> yeah. That's you know. what the best thing about Glastonbury, just mm. discovering all, all these yeah. different things. And I think that's kind of what I want my stream to be, is to just sit there on my stream and just fuck around. Mm. And if I'm just start making some really crap shit, turning to the camera and being like, this is absolute rubbish. Mm. Oh, well, see you next week. See you later, guys. Because that's what happens. It happens. And it's kind of, and yeah, you got to take the rough with the smooth and mm. enjoy it. And just be like, uh, when I write music, if it's going in the direction of like, like you say, polka. Mm. I love to just dive into that. The when is polka step coming? This is interesting. I would have thought it's happening. I've got an interesting <laughs> anecdote for that. 
there is a track called Kisses Back by a LA pop star called Matthew Coma, which mm. I produced for him. And I was writing the beat and he basically sent me, he's a really cool guy, he sent me over the track and I was like, I could hear it straight away. I've been wanting to do Scar, future Scar is kind of how I was thinking about mm. it. Like revitalize that two-tone kind of like scary thing mm. but with electronic music it's like because it feels really british so i did what i thought was a successful rendition of that and then track went out started getting loads of like russian comments <laughs> and then it went to it went to number one in romania oh. and it went top 10 in russia and top 10 in poland and i realized that scar is nearly the same as polka Really close, yeah. Really close, where with Scar, the snare's at half time. Mm-hmm. So it's... Dun, 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 whereas Polka is... Dun, 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 yeah. So I, I... Yeah, at that point I realised I'd written the hottest Polka record of the generation. <laughs> but yeah, like Chatted, still get paid like a fair amount of money every year from that. Like an Eastern European hit. Fought with Scar. But yeah, I made Future Polka. So it does exist. Yeah. Kisses Back by Matthew Comer. And it is. I'm gonna have to, we're going to have to listen to that together, listeners. Maybe we should stream and we'll all just sit around and listen to it. Stream it. Try and make it big in England. Finally. That's what I want. And then we'll get the scar look. Then I can start wearing my madness sunglasses yeah. and doing that whole thing. <laughs> I, yeah. I reckon we'd, we've got a podcast there. I'm really to... hoping I don't have to edit it as well. I like it when I don't have to edit it. There's the bit where I answered the door. No, to get my staying. tea yeah this yeah. is gonzo I had to do one in um oh guys bye I'm hanging up on you alright we're gonna just have a little bit more of a natter without uh, you bye bye oh, well, what's next for Flux Pavilion um stream oh yeah that I've talked about twitch.tv forward slash Flux Pavilion Flux official official so that's every Monday I'm doing that I've and they go up on YouTube close are you, are you partnered on there affiliate I don't know anything about that I know some people. There's, we're having conversations, but I haven't really yeah, put any effort into it. Yeah, you'll be having conversations. Um, but yeah, I'm working on loads of music to put out an album. Might happen this year, might happen next year. The plan is for this year, but I'm like... When if, you're ready. If I've written loads of music and it's not quite right, then it won't yeah. be this year kind of thing. But yeah, I'm doing that. And I think that's it. So yeah. Seems like enough, really. More of the same. More of the same. Basically. But the stream is the thing that I'm, in, I'm excited about. Mm. So basically, I've written some tracks that begun on the stream that are actually going to make it onto my album. So they'll go on the album if you like the track. You can actually go back to the first two hours of that of song. Its being, yeah, of its existence. And that I'm really yeah. excited about is actually being able to... Like, I wish I'd had the first moments where I wrote, oh, I can't stop, you know, some of these big tracks that I've had. Mm. And I'm like, oh, imagine if I just had a little studio video. Yeah, yeah. Of that, like when you see um, Jay-Z hearing the Dirt Off His Shoulder beat for the first time, yeah. like really, like moments. So that's the idea where I'm just seeing if I can just like capture some of these moments. <laughs> so yeah, go watch that. Yeah. Because the more views it gets, the uh, it actually affects nothing. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. So does. don't watch it, do watch it. Do and Twitch isn't very algorithmic, so it doesn't matter. Really, yeah. it doesn't really share it elsewhere. That's important. Fundamentally, it doesn't matter what you do. I'm gonna do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I don't basically. But just... I would like to pay my mortgage. <laughs> so if you could just hey, you don't have to pay a mortgage if you still rent a house. See, I, I avoided it. Oh right, yeah. I avoided all that mortgage stuff by having to pay inflated rents. If only my cat paid rent. Should do. If it... <laughs> Are you not charging your cat? I do. I actually. Um, I'm collecting his fur 
right? <laughs> I'm selling cowlicks. No, I'm going to get it spun into like a wool and then I'm going to make a scarf out of it. Nice. Because when he's gone, which fingers crossed will be a long time we'll from never. now. Well, we will be never. Well, not yeah. in lives, isn't it? So he'll be around longer than you. It's fine. But yeah, having right. a scarf. Yeah. A scarf made out of my cat sounds like a... A very suitably me thing to do. Sounds perfect. So yeah, that's and happening. That's the ending bombshell right there. <laughs> See you later. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmarked. I bobbed my head as I said it as well. It didn't didn't need to be there. But yeah, Josh is genuinely a nice man. We ate some ramen after the pod, which was lovely. And he just ordered it. I know that, that doesn't sound like a big thing, but someone just ordering you food and then you eating it together while gazing at each other means a lot, guys. Means a lot. Um, There's, we could have had like eight more podcasts as well. If anyone does place tabletop games, I, I don't mean Monopoly, I mean like real games, hit up Flux, get him on. If you've got a podcast about it, talk to him about it. He's into it. He's into it, guys. If you've got a fishing podcast, get him on. He'd love it. And stuff. And things. But yeah, uh, 
again, you've been here a long time now. It's like two hours nearly. So go, go off into the world. Don't forget to uh, do all the button pushing. And I'll see you when we're back. Because I don't know when that is. I don't know when we're coming back. It will be sooner or, or later. Have a lovely one. Enjoy! Enjoy!